Welcome to OECD Podcasts, where policy meets people. I've never met anyone who would disagree that culture enriches our economies and our lives. But in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, and now as we face new economic and social pressures, it seems that culture is also under pressure, undervalued and underfunded. According to a recent study, 10 million jobs were lost worldwide in creative industries in 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The sector is regarded as being vulnerable due to the high share of non-standard workers. And although the sector includes a number of global players like Netflix and Sony, 90% of actors are micro-enterprises. To add to this, the true value of culture and creative services is not always fully recognised. Cultural and creative sectors employ a huge amount of people and OECD data tell us that household spending on recreation and culture grew by 18% between 2011 and 2019. This is in fact twice as fast as overall spending in our economies. So even though we can see the great contribution that culture makes to our lives and to the economy, government spending on cultural services has been dropping. COVID-19 has led to a funding crunch for culture. I'm Shane McLaughlin, and you're listening to OECD Podcasts. Today, we're going to discuss the importance of culture and the creative sectors in terms of their economic footprint and employment, plus the numerous social benefits they bring to people and places. I'm joined by Katia Travkina, who is a policy expert on culture at the OECD. Katia, it's great to have you with us. Uh, Welcome to OECD Podcasts. Thanks, Shane. It's great to be part of this podcast. So, Katia, let's get going um, and start by looking at the diversity of culture and creative sectors. To help our listeners, just to get a better understanding of this important area of our economies, can you give us a rundown, in fact, of the different types of organisations, companies, people and places that make up this sector? Indeed, these sectors are very diverse. Well, let's think about libraries, cultural centres, film production companies, festivals, museums, global streaming services, theatre companies, uh, designers. Uh, so all the all of them belong to cultural and creative sectors. But in fact, their cost structures and business models are very different and vary from non-for-profit to for-profit and to mixed uh, business models. Absolutely. Thanks, Katia, for unpacking Um, who the actors are in the culture and creative sectors. It would be great just if you could give us some insight into how the OECD defines culture and indeed how we measure it. Oh, that's a difficult one because uh, it is very notorious that culture and creative sectors are very difficult to measure. And why, why is that? Is because countries, in fact, they have their own definitions. For example, some will include botanical gardens or IT companies or gastronomy and the industry of taste or indigenous heritage, uh, which, in fact, makes international comparisons pretty difficult. So what we decided to do is, uh, in fact, we looked into the work by Eurostat and they have been doing a fantastic 
fantastic job over the past couple of decades. Uh, and uh, they managed to label uh, which jobs are cultural and creative and which businesses or economic activities are cultural and creative. And we um, used this definition and extended it to other OECD countries beyond Europe. But I, I need to really to use maybe this time to uh, place a call for those who work in statistical offices in member countries to improve the provision of uh, data so that we can have better data for better policies, because still data is lacking for this. Thanks, Katia, for unpacking that a little bit. I mean, it certainly sounds like culture represents a pretty important chunk uh, of our economy. I mean, I, I read recently that in some countries, the culture sector is in fact bigger than the aerospace sector. So, I mean, if you could tell us, um, you know, why the OECD is working on culture and why it's so important at this particular time. And then, I mean, give us an idea, is this a new area of policy research for the OECD? Well, indeed, uh, um, OECD uh, works on culture because it's an economic driver. <clears throat> As you said, uh, there are a lot of jobs that this sector provides, and we see that it's over 5% of overall in employment uh, uh, in many countries, and even over 10% in some major cities. Uh, and this employment was growing very fast before the pandemic, outpassing the overall employment growth. We also see that 7% of enterprises in OECD countries uh, are in these sectors and they have similar uh, survival or they have similar performance to um, enterprises in other sectors. So it's, a, it's an economic driver, so um, it's important to look uh, into, into this. But uh, um, it's a relatively new area of work for the OECD, that's true, uh, although there were some uh, uh, reports and some work done in the past. Um, but we also um, now starting to uh, focus uh, um, our work on how culture can be mainstreamed and used by other policies, in fact, um, uh, by employment policies, innovation, inclusion policies, so much beyond cultural policies. Um, and what we try to do is try to mainstream culture across these different policy portfolios. And uh, we also see our mission uh, in uh, uh, advising governments, national and local, on how they can adapt their policies, well, again, employment policies, uh, uh, SME development policies, to the very specific needs of these creative sectors to unleash this uh, economic growth potential of, 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 of culture. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, culture is an important economic driver. I think we're, you know, establishing that today. But also, I think there are certain non-economic um, factors that we can um, say about culture. I mean, certainly the story of doctors prescribing cultural activities, kind of these culture vouchers for those patients suffering low morale or other mental health issues during the pandemic. Um, yeah, just made us realize, uh, you know, how important culture is, the massive contribution it makes um, to our lives, to places and to people. I mean, just coming back to, to COVID, I mean, the culture industry has been amongst the hardest hit by COVID, um, in particular due to lost revenues and social distancing requirements. I mean, the only industry with higher rates of workers on job retention schemes during the pandemic was, in fact, the accommodation and food sector. And, and in fact, I mean, at certain points of the lockdown, you'll remember that culture could only be accessed from our couches, in fact. But Katia, if you could just um, give us some insights um, into the impact of the COVID-19 crisis, why it was so dramatic on the cultural and creative sectors, and indeed, what role the digital transformation has played? 
Yeah, you're very right that, uh, well, and it's well known now uh, that uh, the impact was uh, pretty dramatic on cultural and creative sectors. And why is that? Well, for obvious reason that many of these sectors like museums or festivals or theatres were just closed, uh, which means that they didn't have any earned income, they didn't have any income from ticketing, which represents a notable share of their income, in fact. Um, and what they had to do is they had to also uh, uh, lay off uh, some of the temporary co- uh, staff or uh, also, and this is quite important, stop contracts with uh, external freelancers uh, that uh, work for them. And um, as you said in the very beginning, uh, the shares of freelance work uh, is very, uh, are very high in the sectors. And in fact, uh, museums, theatres, uh, design companies, uh, music companies, they rely on this network, local network, works of freelancers who one day would work for uh, a theater and then the other day for a festival etc and uh, during covid in fact many of them had to move to other sectors just to earn their life uh, because they uh, were not always able to access uh, uh, supports they were not always um, able to access uh, to access supports and now when we see that uh, theaters and uh, uh, museums uh, reopen um, some of them are also experiencing the skill shortages because these guys just disappeared um, but well, so that's about the uh, venue-based sectors. But of course, we know that some other sectors they thrived uh, during the, the uh, lockdown periods uh, because they were able, uh, they were already very present digitally, like streaming uh, platforms, or were able to put their content uh, very quickly online. And what we see now um, in in the recovery post-COVID uh, is that uh, these hybrid forms of uh, um, audience engagement will remain also for museums and theatre companies and of course uh, even the fashion industry etc so uh, yeah there are the the effects were uh, pretty diverse on these sectors yeah it sounds like there was a lot of work to do and there continues to be a lot of work to do so just now uh, in closing let's turn our minds to government support Um, we've talked a little bit about the different actors here but I can imagine that the cultural industry often falls through the cracks of, of policy support. So, you know, we read or we're reading in the, the OECD um, report, the new report called The Culture Fix, that government spending on cultural service has been dropping and represents on average 1.2%, just 1.2% of total government spending across the OECD. So my question, Katia, is, is culture a policy blind spot and how can cities and regions capitalise on the role of culture going forward during the recovery from the pandemic? And then what are the, what are some of the stepping stones um, that governments can kind of use to create a stronger culture and creative sector? Yeah, it's, it's very much true that over the past decade, uh, government spending on culture and recreation has been dropping. Um, and uh, of course, we saw during the uh, COVID crisis, uh, this tremendous uh, tremendous influx of funding to support uh, cultural organizations and uh, uh, sectors. Um, and we also see now that uh, many countries, or at least well, some countries, include up to two and sometimes even more percent uh, of spending in their recovery packages to continue to support this sectors. But the question is, what is the medium and longer term trend, in fact, uh, with this government spending? Um, And of course, it's not all about money. 
um, maybe an, um, a very uh, big um, attention focus should well attention should focus on uh, uh, fixing the policies that didn't really work and are not accessible uh, for uh, workers and for the firms in creative sectors. And I'm thinking about uh, uh, some of the employment policies, access to social protection, innovation policies, uh, SME support policies as well. So maybe fixing these uh, policies so that they are more accessible for creative. Uh, uh, professionals and firms is uh, as important as providing uh, direct funding to to a culture. Um, when you ask about well, so how uh, governments, national, local, can really use uh, culture in the in the recovery? Well, there are multiple uh, ways. Well, first of all, is supported as an economic driver, as uh, a sector that creates uh, jobs for you uh, in your local economy. Um, think about uh, innovation, because uh, well, for example, if we think uh, um, about uh, let's say serious games, serious games that train doctors, this is something that is very innovative and this uh, it comes from the creative sectors and some of the smart regions would include creative industries and in their smart specialization strategies so jobs innovation but it's also important to mainstream culture across uh, other policies when we think about uh, uh, inclusion and education uh, well culture can help uh, increase the level, levels of self-confidence and motivation and somehow help to reduce school dropout rates for example if you think about well-being, something that you mentioned already, um, this is something that the sector knew and was very much engaged uh, uh, into, uh, but uh, it was a bit anecdotal that, okay, well, you practice art, it helps you. But now, in fact, a couple of years ago, the World Health Organization published a big report which proves that uh, it is effective uh, for well-being to practice uh, art and to engage with art and because it uh, can decrease levels of stress and depression, etc. So here, this is why uh, places are experimenting with art on prescription, for example. Um, so these are the different benefits beyond economic benefits that culture can bring to uh, places. Yeah, great. I mean, um, that brings us to, in fact, the, the end of our discussion for today. Thanks so much, Katya. It's been a real privilege and great to explore the question on whether the curtains really are reopening for culture. It sounds like we indeed need a sharper focus on the diverse needs of culture and creative industries and that this will create in turn uh, certain economic and social dividends. Um, as mentioned, we have a new report at the OECD called The Culture Fix. So um, I'd encourage you to um, uh, explore that one if you're interested. You can find out more by visiting um, www.oecd.org and also follow us and our work on Twitter at OECD Local. Um, also, do stay tuned for our next production of OECD Podcast. To listen to other OECD podcasts, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud.com slash OECD.